Welcome to Weta Digital's Unsupervised, a podcast series that brings you personal perspective from the front line of modern visual effects. This is a closed door session, so come on in and shut the door behind you. My name is Max, and today we are picking up where we left off, discussing our work on Mulan with three of our crew. You'll first hear visual effects supervisor Anders Langlands, followed by lead compositor Beck Veach, and finally lighting lead Snowy Leo. We have a lot to cover this episode, so please get comfy. Yeah, I guess the, the biggest portion of our work was the final showdown between Mulan and Borikan. Borikan being the bad guy, the leader of the Rurons. Anyway, they're building this new palace, uh, and that's under construction during the uh, the time that the movie's set. It's like a skeleton of a building covered in scaffolding, and Milan has to climb her way up and fight Borikan to get to the Emperor to save him before he's uh, burned to death in front of the entire city. I think the unexpected thing for us was, um, and we didn't really didn't expect this, was how difficult uh, for compositing the red costumes would be on green. We had to do a lot of testing and eventually found a solution, but you'd, the initial keying for that ended up we'd have bright yellow edges around every bit of red, and that was, I think, due to the saturation of the red on quite bright green. So we actually had to key in a completely different colour space and mix in the edges into our final comps to get it to look any good. What colour space were you keying in, just for the um, colour space nerds? C-I-E-X-Y-Z. You're keying in X-Y-Z? Yeah, because it was less saturated. It, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's but, but that's, how we, well. that's how we fixed our red edges. I did not know that. Yeah. That's amazing. I did a lot of like um, brute force keying because a common trick in compositing is... Um, you know, if something doesn't work and it's hard to key, you try and key it in log, and often that will work, but it did not work in this case. And so I went through each individual colour space to see uh, if it would give us any advantage and stumbled upon this technique which we mixed into to our final comps, and it was it actually worked really well. You know, it was they were very hard green screens to key, and we really encouraged any compo who found a solution to make it easier to let us know so we could integrate it into our tool set. I really liked working with this team because it was a really open, uh, where anyone could suggest a solution for something. So it wasn't a top-down kind of, you will do this technique. It was like, if you get something that works, please tell us because these are hard. <laughs> yeah, those sets, like matching the lighting is always challenging when you're doing like a green screen stage, you know, as, interior for exterior. Yeah, <laughs> you know, as as, as um, despite the valiant efforts of uh, uh, onset, it's it's always challenging. Um, so how did we approach that? I think Ross, the other lead on the show, he came up with a really good system actually. So like everything in the foreground, as usual, we use the onset lighting so that they sit nice with the plate and then for everything in the background we actually switch the lighting to use more realistic outdoor lighting but still trying to balance it to the same kind of color and temperature as the onset lighting so that we when we put those two together they don't look weird but also at the same time it doesn't look like there's should onset anymore so um that works really well and it also means that we can go through 
a lot of shots pretty quickly as well because he has he has his setup done really well that you know TD just have to follow the steps like one two three there's my lighting and yeah that was really helpful yeah we did have to go back and forth a little bit in terms of the temperature because everything on set was a lot warmer but then um, at one point we want to push everything to be a lot cooler which makes sense because when you're outside most of the sky will give you a lot of the blue instead of warm bounce um, but we get there at the end yeah, yeah. it's an interesting one isn't it because when um, when a DP is shooting something they're not just thinking in terms of what the lights are on set on the day they're also thinking in terms of what they're going to do in the DI afterwards so if they shoot something with a very warm source knowing that they're going to grade the whole thing blue afterwards um, that can get you the result that you want photographically but it's tricky for us in CG land because if you as we found out on um, Alita as well if you try and match if you're trying to make your sun the same color as um, the um, the actual light sources they used on set, if they've taken a very very warm light for the practical photography, then you end up just turning everything orange. Yeah. And so trying everything to warm bounce exactly, <laughs> yeah, and it's just it looks very unnatural very quickly. It was it was a little tricky to to get that all to line up, but I think it worked out really well. Also on that sequence, uh, Christoph um, Salzman the comp supervisor and I spent six months looking at skies and trying to figure out skies <laughs> for that sequence yeah we, we, I don't want to talk about that either I've blocked <laughs> that from my memory yeah trying to yeah, find sky pips yeah trying to find the exact right sky that Nikki wants and it and had also, to look it had to look not New Zealandy. Yeah, which is tricky because a lot of skies are shot in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. the, that cloud looks like New Zealand. I don't want to use that cloud. It's also tricky because, yeah, if all the extra shot in New Zealand obviously looked like New Zealand skies. It was particularly around Wellington, they're quite distinctive because it's very low cloud, and lots of little puffy cumulus everywhere, whereas Nikki wanted a lot of high like sort of um, stratus clouds. And then everything that we shot in China wasn't right either. It's a um, very humid climate where we shot, and so that just ends up turning into grey mush. So we actually, we had a TD out shooting skies, like, for, I think, two weeks? Yeah. Like, just the, the from for about four hours in the afternoon where it's just getting down to golden hour, um, uh, and just so that we could have a variety of different, of the sun at different heights so we could get the lighting on the clouds right, and I think we got out of dozens and dozens and dozens of... Um, sky domes that he shot i think we got like one <laughs> one well, or yeah, two that we ended up patching together yeah, to create the sky yeah and then we um to to make sure that um anders was happy with um especially with the close up fight scenes i think you know we had a picture in picture for um every shot we comped we did a picture in picture of the sky so anders could say all right move that over a bit over there we want the sun up a little bit and um or flopping the whole image so um, it matched the lighting direction on set yeah which is challenging as well because the sun obviously moves in every shot which is like you know it's, it's the oldest um the Old oldest continuity. trick in the book yeah sun continuity is always interesting particularly when you're doing um stage work because you know everyone just wants 
backlit all the time because it looks pretty. We come up with a good system as well to share the sun position between calm matte painting and lighting. So it's like whoever touched the shot first, decide on the sun angle and show it to Anders and get the approval and then after that publish the sun position so that the other two departments can match it. Yeah, right, because yeah. we had lighting doing um, like the foreground um, set pieces that are actually standing on. And then matte painting doing like the wider environment behind mm. them. So there's, yeah, both lighting and matte painting. Because matte painting working in Clarice, obviously, yeah. have to line up, yeah, make and, sure everything lines up and between And then comb putting the sky, so basically everything just has to sit together. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's kind of amazing that it all works out in the end. It, it is. Yeah. But back to, again, like how <laughs> close the department works together on this show as well, which is great. Yeah, it certainly makes a difference when we're all sitting together because um, I've worked on shows where you know, there's been, you know, all the departments are in different buildings and there's none of that quick communication that's just, hey, uh, you know, the sun position for this shot is blah, blah, blah. So um, it was really good to be able to have matte painting and lighting and comp all together. Yeah, it's certainly really nice for me because, you know, I could just shout out of my office and yep. <laughs> everyone Everybody would be come there. In. Yeah. Elvie would sing <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, Elvie would sing out, yeah. She had a much nicer voice than me. Uh, I think that's I mean, that's that's a benefit of having a, a long production period as well, it's just because obviously it meant that we had a sort of smaller team running for much longer, so we were able to fit everybody into you know into one uh, one location, which was which was great. Like you know, not having to jump between buildings or between countries, just have people talk to each other about creative problem is so much so much nicer way of working. And flip side of that is that if you have a smaller team, then it's much harder to react when things change because you don't have just a bunch of people who can all pick up and, and work on something so requires a bit more planning from the production side in terms of like how we arrange the work between people to make sure that everyone's still fed and um, without getting overwhelmed so yeah that was it was an interesting uh, sort of tetris problem trying to fit everybody together in term, in space and in time it's like four dimensional chess our production team was playing very impressed with them Working between lighting and comp, for you, how was it to hand off stuff to my department? I think we worked really well together, like the constant. Yeah. That we were all sitting together really helped. Yeah, I think communication is definitely not a problem for this project. Between department and communication is just so good. I wish every project was kind of like this, to be honest. But I agree. Yeah. Um, but yeah, especially between lighting and comp, because we were there since the beginning we talk to each other almost every single day and whenever there's a problem, we'll bring it yeah. out straight away <laughs> and discuss. And no hiding from each other. No. no. <laughs> um, yeah, from our perspective, it was great because it was really easy to go back and forth in regards to what comp needed in the end. Um, and sometimes that's some extra mats or the back and forth between Ross and myself for... Um, the fireworks celebration shot was really was a lot of fun because we were putting floating lanterns in and we had fireworks and so I would give him fireworks in 3D so he could um, light the palace so those sorts of shots were really satisfying to work with in regards to working with you know interdepartmentally I guess yeah and how many passes do I end up giving you for the witch transition shot? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, that she was split up into so many different, um, you know, back tassets, legs, soldier legs that are witch shaped, witch legs that are soldier shaped. Yeah, there was a lot. <laughs> yep. Talking about the, the skies and the exterior lighting, but do you think there was a particular aesthetic that we were going for in terms of how we were approaching the lighting for this? I think most of the stuff that we're doing, we're approaching it more like um, realistic natural looking kind of uh, lighting and uh, a lot of that helped with the atmosphere model that you are really invested yeah. in. <laughs> I was going to say before I, a big part of your job was doing hundreds and hundreds of atmosphere renders to yes. decide um, on haze levels and yes, deciding and on how yeah like the haze level and how much light actually hitting the buildings and the backgrounds and, uh, and then later on just try to match to that yeah but I think most of the outdoorsy stuff we end up making them looking natural which which I like they, they look they look good that way yeah, yeah. I just realised that me asking you that question is a bit weird because if you don't know what the aesthetic is for the film then I haven't done my job properly so it's pretty much from you actually <laughs> yeah naturalistic I think I think was the thing. Like Nikki described it as, uh, um, you know, as Disney's Lawrence of Arabia. As a, I think she was going for so much more grounded rather than fantasy yeah. lighting, yeah. which is nice. It definitely had more fantastical elements, particularly in the in the look. I think for the end scene, right, with the the, the colours of the sky and the, and that kind of stuff. But for a large portion, for the rest of it, it did feel a lot more natural and what we were going for. And she doesn't really like anything that looks too dramatic as well like every time we put too many colors into the sky she'll be like no doesn't like it to get out you know? yeah yeah that's true yeah mm. or too much mist in places <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah which i'm still bummed about we did sneak some back in, in a couple of places. <laughs> <laughs> um but it's yeah it, 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 those things sort of tend to evolve over the course of a project don't they in terms of like where you think that you're going at the start can often change towards the end now that celebration shot was a fun one oh yeah wasn't it yeah because that was um yeah that was another view of the palace which is one of the um one of the most beautiful sets that we built i think that which features in it's one shot with the soldier just before he transforms back into the witch, walking down the palace steps, and you see like the full sc- scale of the palace building itself and the buildings around it, which is stunning. But then you also see it from a different angle at night time in the celebration at the end of the film. We shot a bunch of um, extras in costume on green screen out the back. Of, Except um, some stages of them were wearing green, which wasn't very yeah. helpful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think they were originally... Those were you costumes. on set that day? I was there that day. <laughs> I remember it clearly because it was raining and we were having to uh, try... It. Well, it was, it was spitting a little bit, so we were having to get people under umbrellas between takes. I think the costumes were designed more with them being on um, on stage or actually at, at XY. A lot of the costumes were used just for the, a lot of the vignettes which they got on location with people wandering around. So, yeah, um, the green people were a little bit of a little bit of a yes. problem but we shot a whole bunch of passes um for them in different groups different layouts and um and then i split them up even more so um to to fill in the whole kind of compound of the the palace front of the palace area um and then all the fireworks passes fireworks on um 
what were they? The fireworks towers um, yes. behind them as well. So uh, lots of trying to get interactive lighting onto those groups. Um, uh, I love the gold edges to the palace. Like we were, it took quite a while for us to get that kind of goldy edge look. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and we had to have um, special mats so that we could go in and, and then tweak the gold on the gold passes. So Yeah, gold's always really difficult. Yeah. Because what, what it actually looks, especially because you, um, when you see gold in the dark, like in a nighttime environment, it doesn't look like gold no. anymore. And <laughs> you have yeah. to you have to light it very differently from what the rest of the scene is lit like in order for it to feel gold, even though it's. I also went and got actually gold. Lots of reference photos of um, various churches and temples that had gold on them as well. So yeah. you know we could tweak various bits to look gold, more goldy. So there's that um, great um, uh, golden the temple in Japan. Yeah, those was completely covered in gold leaf, which is a great reference. For There's that, an so. amazing, I think, a church. Um, I think it's a church in Jerusalem that I um, took uh, had reference photos of that was just sun on gold, and and how gold it was was quite surprising. Yeah, but um, but that was really great to be able to you know just tweak those things so you could um, you could make it look really really wealthy. Yeah. Yeah. And the fireworks themselves are interesting as well. Oh, you can you can tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> we realised once we started that shot and we're thinking about uh, all the work that it was going to take in effects in order to simulate all of the fireworks that uh, the Matariki fireworks display in Wellington was coming up. But it was it was unfortunate because that was the one day in Wellington that it wasn't windy. So <laughs> that's <laughs> right. <laughs> so when the fireworks exploded, obviously they released smoke. And so after about three minutes into the, into the display, or even less time than that, I think, you couldn't see anything. It was just a wall of smoke. But we managed to find um, four different sections of fireworks that didn't have too much smoke around them, um, but you just get a hint of, of it lighting up behind the palace, which I think looks really nice. Yeah, it gives an opportunity to play with yeah. different levels of atmospherics to give some depth to the shot as well, as well as the silhouette, those features, which is kind of nice. Yeah. yeah. I do, again, feel the need to point out for fellow pedants that, yes, fireworks were invented in China. They had fireworks in medieval China, but rockets weren't invented until the 19th century, so they They wouldn't have been... They still look pretty. It does look very, very pretty. Uh, We also uh, delivered um, a digital hawk which is one form of the witch's powers she can transform into other things and uses her hawk form to get around quickly nip down the shops for milk that kind of thing uh, and uh, also uses it to disguise herself so there's a few shots where she's transforming from one form to the other which involved um, some complex morphs and cg transformations uh, in particular there's one shot where she's uh, in the form of um, a soldier. She's disguised herself to go and tell the emperor about um, the Ruran's impending invasion of the empire. And um, we see we see her then transform back into witch form and then into hawk form all in one long tracking shot, um, which was shot uh, on location in China in multiple passes, though without motion control. So, um, Beck, do you want to tell us how much fun that was? It was so much fun. <laughs> um, looking at it now, I can uh, 
kind of forget the trauma of that shot. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it was a very challenging shot. There were three plates that we had. Um, so a plate without either of the actors, um, a green screen with um, the witch and then the soldier walking past all the parts of an alleyway in a marketplace and combining those three it was a huge challenge because they were not shot as Anders said on a motion control rig but um, all at different angles and all at different kind of walking speeds so I had to line up the plates so it was um, imperial soldier to witch and then witch into hawk so kind of three parts of a, of a huge shot um, but it came out I think in the end um, Again, still twitch a bit when I look at it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was, a, it was a good challenge and a lot of fun. I do want to point out that we did try to sync everything up. It's, just, oh, okay. it's kind of difficult. To <laughs> you were there on set that Yeah, day. I was there that day. And, uh, yeah, it did um, – yeah, it, it's, it's very challenging in a tight space, especially and when you're dealing with two characters walking at different speeds because they're different heights to try and get, um, get them to walk at the same time. Also, of course – being outdoors the sun is moving during the course of all the takes that we got yes. as well yes, so it the, is. the lights <laughs> changed a little bit over the course of it so it was very challenging from a compositing point of view what was good though was that um each plate had markers on it where the actors needed to step and i actually ended up using those to line up everything so that was really you know an unexpected thing where i could i could use things in the plates themselves to line it up and retime them all together and that was the other thing was that they were all shot at 48 and so we had to re-speed everything two or three times to get it to what it looks like now. Do you think that helped having more frames to be able to... Because they, you had to re-time the soldier and the witch in order to make yes. their walking speed the, the same. Do you think that helped having 48 frames and having more frames there Probably to play with? did in the end. Um, it seemed... Uh, I think we got it was a lot cleaner when we retimed it, so that was um, certainly a bonus. Um, what was tricky though was um, there's a hell of a lot of parallax in that shot, and trying to recreate a lot of the items there were baskets and nets and pieces of timbers, and um, that was so you could see through everything. So trying to hide the fact that. Um, we had to kind of cheat on the parallax a lot was was quite challenging. But I think it um, looked It does work. Yeah, it, it does, does work because you don't <laughs> you don't you're not looking at the right background. Yeah. You're looking looking at her, and it's so it's really nice because it's so subtle. You see this beautiful change of of the soldier into her, and then her into the hawk, and it happens kind of before you realise it's happening. Yeah, that's an interesting part of it. I think Nikki was very clear from the start that she wanted it to be kind of subtle and more graceful rather than the big flashy showy things that you often see with like lots of particle effects and glowing and, and stuff like that which um which is can be kind of over the top if it's not handled well and nikki wanted to go the opposite direction with it being more of a sleight of hand gag you know like an it illusion certainly does that um, I think. which is which is it's an interesting thing because yeah as, as you watch the shot it's almost like you say it almost before, by the time you realise what's happening, it's kind of already over. So you yeah. don't you don't really get the chance just to sit and watch it. And that's in some ways, you know, having worked on it for so long, that's almost a little bit disappointing in some ways because yes. I don't think people really realise no. what they're looking at until it's until it's happened. But hopefully, the the idea is that the audience sees it and is like, oh, hang on a minute, that was that, oh, how, hey. <laughs> how did we get to here? You know, and 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 it's that's um, making it more magical by by sort of hiding what you're doing, I think, is the intent there. 
the third part of the shot you mentioned. So we have we soldier into witch and then witch, witch into, into hawk. hawk. So the witch into hawk parts. The witch was played by um, Yashi, and she was rigged up on a on a wire so she could do a leap at the end of the shot in order to take us into the hawk, so that the hawk flies away off into the distance. And that uh, rig that she was on a ladder to do um, a, a twist as she went, which was really cool because as she jumps, she spins, and then the these long sleeves that are part of her costume then um, wrap around her and um, fly through the air in a really beautiful way. And we're able to use that motion to drive that transformation into the hawk part of it. So we animated the hawk to match uh, the witch's motion. And so then the hawk actually ends up inheriting that spin and has to catch itself slightly and right itself before flying off. And that enabled that whole fluid motion, kind of like a dance, to progress through that whole stage. And then you were able in the comp to use that motion to actually hide how we're blending from yeah. the witch to the hawk. It was thing. fun to... to um, I came to it from um, Yashi's stunt to the hawk and we had... Um, Snowy had rendered a hawk that was... Um, Witch coloured and a hawk that was hawk coloured, so I blend between those all the time while sucking up the witch into the hawk shape, which was actually a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that part. <laughs> you um, like squishing things. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Um, it was just really nice to do an outrageous kind of warping um, transformation, which you don't get to do a lot. It's it, and it's you know that part of the shot is really obvious but it does it's it is like a dance as Anders said it's it it's this beautiful twisting flying motion and and the sleeves that she has her costume is amazing and that drove the motion of what I was trying to do to transform which to hawk I just remember right at the beginning of that shot the brief was when the transformation happens that there was a sleeve meant to go over to hide all of the work that we potentially were going to do and they went they were going oh no 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 we want the transformation now we want you to see it and it was it was much holding of um my hand slapping my head and, and face palms <laughs> and going oh no how the hell are we going to do this oh that's um, right because we were going to use a, a sleeve, sleeve as a wipe yeah. at one point but yeah that um they didn't want to do uh, nikki didn't want to do that yeah and then we the had end. to make the match move of the soldier to the witch so we ended up making um, a witch costume, but in the shape of the soldier, so we could match kind of her her details to his shape, um, and that was really fun too. So we've got renders of really weird looking witch boots <laughs> that morph that morph in from from um, his shape to her shape. So that I imagine was very challenging for departments before me. <laughs> <laughs> This show was great. Mulan was great for uh, a reasonably small team, I think, working all together. And we sat cl so close to each other that we were able to talk. The comping team was really enjoyed working with them. It was um, really lovely just to be able to help people in a kind of really open environment for, for suggesting solutions. Someone who should be here that isn't because he's left is um, Christoph Solzman, who um, was the comp supervisor, and I'd really like to thank him because I had an absolute blast working on this show. We had so much fun together, and it was constant laughs um, in our office. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to thank Christoph, who's not here today. 
Oh. <laughs> I miss him. No. <laughs> the same as com team, I find the lighting team is really easy to work with as well in these shows. Like we all work so well together. The other person I want to thank, uh, say thank you to obviously is our CG supervisor Daniel Tosti, which is also oh, recently yes. just left Weta. He is really good with bringing everybody together, not just the lighting department. Um, yeah, all the other departments are really good for this show as well. Been really good team all together. Yeah, it was. It was everybody. Um, yeah, everybody really delivered and um, made it a very pleasant, or well, pleasurable experience working on it for sure. Um, I yeah, you've already um, done half of it for me. I guess I'd like to <laughs> um, Tosti in particular. I would like to give a special shout out to actually to the um, to the R and D teams that um, were making new stuff for us on this show because they often get neglected. I think in terms of like credits and things like that. And also um, the creatures team and uh, Richard Moore in particular deserve a special shout out for um, wrangling the hawk into shape, frame by frame in some cases. Also, and just, oh, sorry. sorry, and uh, the whole production team as yes. well. Um, how smooth this show ran was a was a huge testament to their efforts as well. You've been listening to Snowy, Beck, and Anders on Unsupervised. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>